Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Cleveland Cavaliers were flying high, but now have hit some rough air. The Virginia football team is picking up the pieces. And the SEC is worried about Auburn's next coach. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The Cleveland Cavaliers start their 2022 season 8-1. Donovan Mitchell in the building. They are riding high. Since then, five straight losses punctuated by a 113-98 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks without Drew Holiday, without Chris Middleton, without Pat Connaughton. So to figure out what is going on with the Cavs right now, Evan Damerell joins me now from Locked On Cavaliers. Evan, what has been the difference this last week and a half for the Cavs that, is, that has led to this losing streak? It's a little multifaceted. I think uh, Darius Garland coming back in the fold after dealing with an inner eye laceration, and that kept him out largely for two weeks after the season opener. He only played 10, 15 minutes in that. And I think him figuring out his balance with Donovan Mitchell has been tough. I think Mitchell dealing with his own aches and pains. He was out with a knee injury the other night against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is their fourth loss in this losing streak. And you're also missing Jared Allen, who was shut down Sunday against Minnesota because of an ankle injury that JV Bickerstaff said he's been dealing with all season long, actually. And some fans on the show have pointed out to us like, hey, it looks like he's been a step slow since the preseason. So maybe this is more of a serious thing and maybe the Cavs being proactive and kind of taking these losses on the chin is a smart thing. But in a micro sense and in the moment, it, it's frustrating to watch. And especially in this game against Milwaukee, and I pointed this out for um, I call him and fear the sword. Uh, Cleveland was out rebounded by Milwaukee 52 to 34. And a lot of the damage came in the third quarter when Giannis just kind of asserted his will and showed everyone that, hey, I am the best third quarter score in the league for a reason. And the Cleveland also gave up 13 offensive boards with 21 second chance points to the Bucs as well, which is suboptimal if you're trying to win a game, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think the Cavs came out hot and then they kind of cooled off and they lost their approach. But I think that lack of Jared Allen has been the key factor, at least the last two games, because you look at Minnesota, they have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert really made life frustrating for Evan Mobley at times. Then you see Mobley have a bit of resurgence because the Bucks are kind of letting him get his own shots and they play more of a drop coverage scheme. But in terms of the rebounding situation, just the fact that the Bucks were just wreaking havoc on the interior at times, I think Jared Allen really slowed that down. They still have a, a, a top 10 defense. They have um, one of the best per game point differentials in the league. In fact, the second best in the East, even after this game. So what was what was working for them? Because they start so hot. We, they have those two games with the Celtics where the intensity is just on 11 for a game, you know, in the first two weeks of the season. And they look like, a team that can compete in the Eastern Conference. Has what has happened over the last week and a half changed in your mind the perception of what this team can be? Or is that still in there? I I think maybe the perception is dulled a little bit. I think fans, at least of this team, are a little overzealous when they're just, you know, the hottest team in the league. Like you said, Mm -hmm. two very big statement overtime wins against Boston, who are the defending Eastern Conference champs. Like that is definitely something to take into consideration. They scrap it out with the Lakers and were able to beat LeBron for the first time since Baron Davis was the starting point guard for the Cavs, which was when I was in high school for context. (laughs) And I'm now 29 and almost married. So that's how long it's been that the Cavs have beat LeBron. But 
it's just been a culmination of things. I think it's the injuries. I think it's the youth and experience. I think it's the time change. I think it was on them on the West coast. You can make all these excuses, but I just think it's youth and inexperience and they're just kind of learning how to grow up and how to finish games and close games out. And I, I think they are one of the better teams in the East because they do have those two strong wins over the Celtics. And like, they are competitive. They were competitive with the bucks largely for the first half. And then they fought back and made it a little bit more of an interesting game in the fourth quarter. And when they looked like this game was, completely out of reach against Milwaukee. But I just think when you're looking at the dichotomy and the uh, totem pole that is the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee is way up here. The Bucs are by and far the best team, not just in the East, but the NBA. And I think if you're the Cavs, there are no moral victories at the end of the day, but you can say, hey, we hung with one of the best teams, but there's a lot of stuff we can fix. There's a lot of stuff we can correct. Stay up to date all year on the Cleveland Cavaliers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Cavs podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the University of Virginia has endured a tragedy and has only begun to pick up the pieces. But before we get to that, we look at a couple quarterback decisions, starting with the Saints. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because... You're going to want to try this. I'm talking about the new built flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. It's built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. These are not to be missed. Built Bar has revolutionized the protein bar. Now they're revolutionizing the granola bar. All of these things are are unbelievably tasty, plus they've got the macros that you're looking for. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and only 130 calories. They keep upping the protein a little bit. They keep reducing the calories a little bit. I don't know how they're doing it, but they are, in fact, doing it and to try it for yourself or to restock because that's me. I always have mine in the cabinet. My cabinet is always as full as possible. Well, before I eat them, of course, with Built Bars because they are the perfect snack, the perfect treat. Whenever you need them, get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The New Orleans Saints are sticking with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Head coach Dennis Allen said in an interview on Wednesday, I got an opportunity to talk to both quarterbacks, and I feel like right now, Andy is the direction that we want to go. Allen hinted earlier in the week that Dalton's job might not be safe after the offense averaged 215 passing yards and ugh, 11 and a half points in losses to the Ravens and Steelers. Allen also said that Jameis Winston is not back to 100% and may not be at 100% before the end of the regular season. With three-fifths of the offensive line dealing with one injury or another, Allen felt like the blame was not all on the quarterback position. And speaking of potential quarterback questions, the Washington Commanders are also not making a change at quarterback as Carson Wentz is reportedly not ready to go. It was just a day ago that Commanders coach Ron Rivera made it sound as if the decision would be in the process. That would take a few days, but Wentz made the decision easy because he has yet to return to practice. Some had wondered whether Taylor Heineke should start over Wentz, even if he is healthy, but that question will be pushed back at least another week. It's worth noting, Washington has gone 3-1 and one with Heineke starting at quarterback entering Sunday's game at the Houston Texans. Another game they should win, making this even juicier as we move forward. 
Suspended All-Star guard Kyrie Irving is nearing completion on the process needed to return to play and could rejoin the Brooklyn Nets as soon as Sunday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies at Barclays Center. This, according to a report by ESPN. Irving will miss his eighth consecutive game on Thursday night in Portland, but he is closing in on the end of his suspension after nearly two weeks. Irving is carrying out a minimum five-game suspension without pay for his failure to initially apologize for and condemn his social media link to a film riddled with anti-Semitic material. Irving has met with Nets owner Joe Sy and Commissioner Adam Silver individually and both publicly said they didn't believe Irving is anti-Semitic. Justin Verlander isn't human, but I guess he's going to get the Cy Young Award anyway. At 39 years and 227 days old, on the last day of the season, Verlander is the fourth oldest pitcher ever to win a Cy Young. On top of his age, Verlander's third career Cy Young came after spending most of the past two seasons recovering from Tommy John surgery. He led the AL in wins and led the majors in both ERA and WHIP. Meanwhile, the Miami Marlins ace Sandy Alcantara won the NL Cy Young Award. He pitched over 228 innings, 23 and two-thirds, more than any other pitcher in the majors. He threw six complete games, more than any other team, and both Verlander and Alcantara were unanimous choices. It's just the second time in the history of the award since they began giving it to the best pitcher in each league in 1967. And on the hardwood, the Toronto Raptors eked out a home win against the Miami Heat. OG, oh my. Sean Woodley here from Locked On Raptors to break down the Toronto Raptors 112-104 win over the Miami Heat in Toronto on Wednesday night. The big takeaway from this one is that there's something pretty special happening this season with OG and Anobi. And look, most breakouts you typically associate with big scoring increases, playmaking jumps, things like that. For OG, for the most part, it's been on the defensive end, where he's been a total menace, led the league in, in, in steals, coming into this game with 2.7 steals a night to go along with a full block of game two. But it was on offense that OG was truly outstanding against Miami in this one. 32 points a season high, 10 boards, 3 assists, and 13 of 18 from the floor. Not to mention, while he didn't rack up the counting stats on defense in this one, he was instrumental to one of the best defensive performances the Raptors have had all year. Their rotations, their Closeouts were fantastic, and OG had his fingerprints all over that as well. It's not a orthodox breakout here, but OG Ananobi is flirting with stardom. I will have more about OG and the rest of the Raptors broken down on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Raptors. Here is another story you need to know. The University of Virginia football team faces unspeakable tragedy as one of their own former players opened fire on a bus during a class trip, killing three current UVA football players injuring another along with a fifth injured victim not on the team. I'm not even going to mention the name of the shooter because it's victims whose names you should know, not their killer. Lavelle Davis Jr., Deshaun Perry, and Devin Chandler lost their lives. Virginia canceled its final home game against Coastal Carolina, but that is the least of its concerns right now as it tries to unravel what happened that led to these heinous murders. Lawrence Johnson from Locked On Virginia joins me now. And Lawrence, You've had to cover the kind of story no media person ever wants, the kind of tragedy every family fears coming to their doorstep. Help me and our audience understand where the UVA family is at this moment. Well, I can tell you they've always, you know, just like a lot of other fan bases, you know, you know when it comes to sports, 
you know, losing or not having a great year, they can be fickle, you know, the crowd can be fickle. And, you know, there was people upset about things, you know, it was a new system coming in and all that. But in times of tragedy, you know, it just galvanized this fan base, you know, and galvanized the supporters, the fans, the, you know, anyone who is, uh, has anything to do with the University of Virginia, it has galvanized everybody. And uh, they're stronger than ever. You know, they're absolutely stronger than ever right now. So it's just, it's, it's something that you cannot prepare for, something you cannot plan for. So how, let's, in, if you're on campus, if you're, if you're just a human, this is a tough story to deal with. But from a UVA lens, as a football program, how do you move forward? Well, to move forward, you know, there's, you know, there, there's three things that I employ, and I think they can, that they can employ as well as far as principles. Whenever you have a uh, tragedy like this, first is to be truthful, you know, come with the truth, come with the facts. Those are the first things that have to happen. Truthful facts, make sure that, you know, you keep all of the trash away from something like this is make sure it's the right thing you're saying, the proper thing to say. Secondly, it is be uh, emotionally authentic, okay? There's nothing wrong with showing emotion. If you're upset about it, it's okay to say something, you know, how, how you feel at this time. So just be emotionally authentic, let everybody know it's okay. At the tragedy like this, everybody grieves differently. You know, some people grieve, you know, visibly, some people, you know, grieve internally. Sure. But just be emotionally authentic. And the third thing is, you know, you take the steps to healing. So, so that's the thing, you know, that you have to, and that's, and that's the long-term process in all of this, you know, is the, is, is the healing. You never get over the grieving and the, in, in, in the healing part. You know, you just try to take it at the pace that you can, you know, that, that you can go at. And, and that's the third thing. And that's what I think as a coach, as a leader, you know, everybody's going to be at different paces of, of all these different things that I just talked about. But that last piece is, is, the, is, is the grieving and healing. And um, you want to get to that, uh, get to that stage and, and start the healing as soon as you can. Of course, it's hard to move on when you lose your brothers, uh, you know, in that manner. This was uh, the, the accused shooter was a, a one semester walk on back in 2018. So it's not like this was someone that was in the program, but this is also um, a person who has a history of, of, um gun arrests and so are there going to be questions do you think about do you have questions about the program's role in helping to prevent this in some way i mean i think these are questions that are going to be asked whether they're fair or not you hit it right on the head you know fair or not they're going to be they're going to be asked or have to be asked somebody's going to have to account for this uh for this situation there's no going around it um for me you know my, my questions are, are uh well you know like you said he, he had a gun charge previously he also had a hit and run um charge so th there's there's just things in his history that you know that has shown up and there needs to be maybe a better system in place Stay up to date all year on the Virginia Cavaliers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and the Locked On Virginia podcast on the Odyssey app. 
YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, the SEC wants no part of Auburn and their next head football coach. It wasn't that long ago Auburn was competing and winning national championships, but the football program has been a mess for a few years. They've been an also-ran when the first game kicks off for a few seasons. As Zach Blackerby points out on Locked on Auburn, that's about to change, and the SEC is worried. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I think all of this hype around Lane Kiffin and the potential staff that he could put together, just looking on, on the interwebs, right, I think Alabama is a little concerned, right? Especially because they're not feeling they're not coming from a place of confidence as they typically do. Um, and I think the writing's on the wall to some extent. That's like I, I don't know how much longer Saban has, but like he's in the fourth quarter, right? Right. And I don't know the time he could really, really help Auburn with this hire if, if hey, it's all said and done. That's an interesting comment about this move making Bama a little nervous. Um, now I have been on the Bryce Young train in terms of him carrying that Bama offense for the last two years. Sure. Um, and certainly I think some of the attrition is starting to get exposed on that end, right? Like nobody stays on top forever. I mean, they've had an unprecedented run. Don't mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. It's been it's been incredible watching sure. what they've done over the last, you know, since 2007. But um this is, I mean, with the resources that he will have at Auburn, I, I'm with you on this one. I do believe this is something that should make them a little nervous. Uh, and from year one. Yeah. And from year one, quickly. Yeah, because of the transfer portal. And, and Lane Kiffin is the, the portal king. So we'll see. And, and still, even if it's not Lane Kiffin, if it's a splash hire, I think other teams throughout the conference are concerned. Look, uh, I, I know that... that- there's an impulse to feel this way. But this very much strikes me as the scene from Mad Men where Don Draper is talking to a a spurned colleague who tells Don, I feel sorry for you. And Don Draper says, I don't think about you at all. Because that's that's how Alabama feels about Auburn right now. In a, a certain respect, that's probably how teams like Georgia and LSU even and Florida Think about Auburn. Right now, no one is thinking about Auburn. And until they prove that someone has to think about them, that's not going to change. And finally, the Lakers are feeling better after a team meeting that proceeded to win over the Brooklyn Nets. I think things are moving in the right direction, Russell Westbrook said. A lot of emotions, Anthony Davis added when asked to describe the meeting. Guys voicing their opinions, some back and forth, but it was... Okay, I hear what you're saying. You hear what I'm saying. So now what's the solution instead of just constantly butting heads? So it was a good dialogue. So yeah, the Lakers had a come to Jesus meeting in November. We'll see how it goes. Um, it, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's show. Will the Green Bay Packers, ever heard of them, get back-to-back wins? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.